Welcome to another edition of the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Drew, recording from the rainy Flathead Valley. It's Friday, March 4th. It appears that the seasons are starting to shift again as these rainy skies continue to melt mounds of snow into puddles that are making my morning runs a much splashier affair. And it seems like this change in seasons is driving our publishing timeline, which probably makes sense because we do put out a quarterly magazine, Flathead Living. And this week, the Beacon Newsroom has been hard at work editing, tweaking, and proofing the spring issue of Flathead Living. Justin Franz, a former Flathead Beacon intern whose old desk I now stand at every day, took over as editor of Flathead Living for the winter issue and now is on his second run. He's been in the office all week scribbling on printed pages, working with designers, and overall haranguing us over our work. Franz took a few minutes to pop into the podcast studio to chat about the process of producing a magazine, some of the highlights he thinks people will be excited about in the upcoming issue, and whether or not we'll get the magazine in a timely manner this go-around. And trains, of course. If you don't know, Franz is a train enthusiast, and we talked about trains. Before we expose you to that train conversation, though, a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Plus, they get some extra perks, too. So to find out more or join today, visit beaconeditorsclub.com. Hi, uh, my name is Justin Franz, and I am the managing editor of Flathead Living Magazine, the Flathead Beacons quarterly lifestyle publication that is available at newsstands uh, all across the valley, wherever you get Flathead Beacon every week. With the caveat that we're not sure when the new one will come out. But the there's still one, copies of the old one on news. There are everywhere. still copies of the old one. You can still get that winter issue, even though it doesn't feel like winter anymore. But you can still <laughs> get that winter issue in many locations around the Flathead Valley. The Super One in Columbia Falls has a robust amount of them, of which I'm very disappointed in my fellow Columbia Fallsians for not grabbing that issue and, and reading it from cover to cover. Uh, the folks at Glacier Park International Airport have been doing better, I noticed this weekend. So that's good. But again, mildly disappointed in my fellow Columbia Fallsians for not reading this issue cover to cover as much as I would like them to. Well, that sounds like a challenge right up front. But let's dive in a little bit. This is now the second issue with you as managing editor. You put out that winter issue. Now we're on to spring. How did it go? Any Anything you learned between the two? Uh, did this one go a little bit smoother? I think so. I hope so. You know, it's uh, it's sort of like herding cats sometimes. But uh, I think this one went a little smoother. And, you know, it's been fun to have uh, to be part of the process the entire time. You know, the last issue we took over the reins from, from Myers-Reese, the incredibly talented Myers-Reese, who uh, sort of got, got the pieces of that issue together. And then I sort of finished it. This time I was able to, to do the whole thing and that was a lot of fun and it's been sort of fun to think of the magazine from a 10,000 foot level and, and see what fits and what doesn't. 
But yeah, this one's coming together really well. We're in the final stages. We go to the printer here in the next day or two. Once it is to the printer and printed, it will get on a truck and be delivered to the Flathead Valley. It'll be on newsstands within a few weeks, whenever that might be. Well, let's do a little bit of the nitty gritty. Like you said, this is your first time going kind of start to finish assigning everything. And I know you were trying to assign us stories before the last issue was even finished. Uh, Talk a little bit about how you as managing editor go from blank pages to getting everything to come come in at the right time. And well, I mean, I don't want the the magazine to be slammed together like a newspaper. (laughs) I love newspapers, but, uh, you know, it's printed on nice paper. You want to make sure there are nice words and pictures put on that that nice paper. And so you want to have have some forethought in what goes into them. You know, I think when I start looking at the the issue, and I'm usually trying to think like at least two issues in advance. I've already got the summer 2022 <laughs> one dialed in a little bit. I want to think about what's happening in the community. I want to balance the stories that are going to appeal to all sorts of people. And uh, one of the things we're, we're trying to do uh, moving forward is have a, at least one story that is sort of about the news of the day. Uh, and which is one of the stories in this coming issue that you authored that I thought was a really good story about uh, Montana's new recreational marijuana market. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting topic to follow uh, in the coming weeks and months and years, especially as, um, you know, the cannabis industry sort of banks off or, or takes advantage of the the booming tourism industry here in the Valley. I think a lot of people are going to, you know, still be coming to the Flathead Valley for the recreational opportunities, but they're also probably going to be taking advantage of the recreational activities uh, in the form of recreational cannabis. So I think that was a, a really interesting story. I thought you did a great job on it. And yeah, I want more, at least one feature every issue to sort of be uh, looking at the news of the day and take a new look at it. And and with that issue, you know, a lot of the, the coverage in recent weeks and months has been about how the recreational market is going to work. You took the, you know, took the view of how, how is it going to work in the summer tourism season and how is that going to change tourism if it does. And yeah, so, you know, you want at least one story that's news focused. Uh, some of the other stories in this issue, we have a really great story by Maggie Dresser about uh, the band 20 grand everyone's favorite funk band everyone's favorite the flat the best funk band in the flathead valley <laughs> as far as i know the only funk band in the flathead valley first show i saw when i moved to the flathead was a 20 grand show really oh, where was that polebridge all right that mid makes pandemic sense. their only only show i think that summer interesting interesting i remember seeing them many a time in the northern mm-hmm. back when i was a young 20 something ready to party at the Northern and, uh, and craggy back in craggy was the place to hang out. And, but yeah, so Maggie did a great story about 20 grand and it's sort of, uh, the changes that band has gone through over the years. It is a big band in the literal human members, <laughs> number of people in it. It's like 10 people in the band and that number has fluctuated and the members have fluctuated. And so Maggie did a great job looking at that. Um, we've got, uh, another cool story about, uh, the new brewery in Ronan. It's a cooperative brewery that's sort of run by the community. And that's, uh, you know, an effort to sort of revitalize Ronan's downtown area. And that's a really cool story by one of our regular contributors. Uh, and then Katie Contrell has a, a really nice story 
about a local furniture maker who makes these really cool uh, chairs. They sort of look like mushrooms. Uh, they're really neat chairs. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, when, when I'm looking at, when we're starting the, the process of mapping out the next issue, you want a, a diversity of stories from a diversity of voices and people in the Valley. And I think we really hit that with this one. I hope. Well, in addition to all those features, there are all of the sections that everybody also loves to read. Everything from several food features to fitness columns to design columns, a little bit of everything. One of the ones that you have authored for a long, long time, even when you were not in the newsroom anymore, is 48 Degrees North. Yep. Which gives you usually a chance to write something train related. Yes. Uh, because for those who do not know, your other day job is as editor of not one, but two train related yes. magazines, making you Montana's de facto rail expert. Uh, what can you tell Don't us? Claim. <laughs> what can you tell us uh, about uh, what's going on in, in Montana's uh, rail scene? Well, I have you here. Well, uh, you know, I do write. Uh, I do try and sneak in occasionally at least one train related story into uh, 48 degrees. You know, for the longest time, Myers was a good stopgap. <laughs> and whether uh, there was one too many train stories. Um, and uh, but he weirdly uh, never really stopped me. Uh, and now that I am the managing editor, there really is no one to stop me. So, uh, all you readers out there and, uh, in radio land or podcast land, if, if it's too much, just let me know. I will stop. If you want more, also let me know. Uh, but what is happening in train land? Uh, so for this issue, I wrote a brief little story about the locomotive that is sitting above woodland park many people have i I ran by it this morning yeah you've probably seen it it's very blue (laughs) um most people might just think well that's just a random old locomotive but as you will read in 48 degrees there is actually a historic connection to the valley that locomotive was built sometime in the 50s and it it worked and moved freight Mm. through the flathead valley back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and then it it went on to a second career uh, out in central montana near lewiston for a, a different railroad and then a, uh, a gentleman in Utah, a railroad preservationist uh, who is a stickler for details, coordinated a trade where the locomotive that had been donated to Kalispell and didn't have a historic connection to the valley would be traded for this one that is more historically uh, connected to the area. And so, you know, no one had written about that in either the beacon or the interlake or the pilot or the horse. And I thought, that's a shame. Someone should highlight this important locomotive swap. And so I did a little story on that. I really just can't believe that you weren't the mastermind behind said locomotive swap. I, you know, I wasn't. I, uh, you know, I'm a, as an unbiased journalist, I take a hands-off approach to to things. I wasn't going to coordinate a locomotive swap, but thankfully this gentleman in Utah did. And uh, now Kalispell has a historically accurate train. Uh, And thank goodness, because I think that, you know, I think had that trail opened without a historically accurate locomotive, it would have been a piece of shame for many in the community to not have a historically accurate train along the trail. I mean, what would have why would we have spent all that money on a new trail just to put a non-historically accurate train there? It just would have been absurd. I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, uh, just would have uh, been a colossal waste of federal taxpayer money. 
<laughs> would have been very upsetting. Everyone, even the people who didn't know, they would have known. They would have looked at him like, is that right? Eh, but now they look at it and they're like, oh, that's right. And and it's all thanks to you for uncovering this. So Exactly. Yeah. These are the stories that this is what 48 North is great about. And I promise to try and not do a train related story in 48 degrees next month or next quarter. Although there might be a feature that has a train connection. Well, in three months, you'll be back here and I will grow you on whether or not there is something rail related and we can hold your hold your feet to the fire and I figure it out. Do think in the last four issues there have been three train items? But there's always a hook. There's always a news hook. There's a time element. I just know that you nixed my train idea for uh, breakdown. What was your train idea? I don't know. It was just going to be breaking down train facts, and you said there's already train things. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I didn't want to like go too much. Also, if there's any bus enthusiasts in the Flathead Valley that would like to write about (laughs) buses or planes or blimps. Or boats. Actually, I do have a plane-related story that we've talked what is about. It? The Stonehenge and yes. Plane Museum up on the way to Eureka, which might have to be explored at some point. I like that idea. I also have a, a plane-related story feature idea that so, I might pursue. Maybe we'll just have to change one of the entire sections to just like a transportation movement column. There we go. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. Movement. Well, that's it, folks. That's what you can expect from upcoming features. Exactly. We're slowly uh, <laughs> but surely going to turn this into a, an extension of Railfan Railroad Magazine. Well, friends, thank you for coming up and sharing that. Uh, at some point in the next two to six weeks, uh, depending on the speed of printing and the availability of paper. Uh, supply chain crisis is really hitting niche magazines right now. All of that stuff. You will see a new issue of Flathead Living Magazine on stands. It will pop out because there's a bright yellow umbrella on the cover it looks very good it looks great yeah so uh thanks for all the work you do and uh keeping us in line absolutely and and again uh super one shoppers in columbia falls please pick up flathead living magazine it's my local grocery store every time i go there to get eggs and (laughs) and other things i see how many of the magazines have not been taken and i take it as a personal insult and it, it hurts me it really puts me in a bad mood so please columbia falls residents Please. There's a couple Columbia Falls stories in this issue. This is true. There's a one about the new barbecue place mm. that's opening in May. So if you want to know where to get barbecue, Columbia Falls, pick up the magazine. All right. Please. There's your challenge. People go to Columbia Falls, read the magazine, and then uh, return it afterwards so Franz goes crazy. No, please don't do that. God, no. <laughs> Thanks, Franz. See ya. A big thanks to Justin Franz for joining the podcast today. You are entering the last couple weeks where you are able to pick up a winter issue of Flathead Living off the stands before the new ones take over. Fingers crossed that spring issue will be on the stands by the end of this month. But until then, reread the last issue over and over and listen to this podcast over and over until the new one gets here. Now, instead of a rundown of the week's news, I'm going to highlight two breaking news stories from today, Thursday, March 2nd. It was announced this afternoon that Flathead High School football coach Alex Cummings was resigning his post to take a job as the assistant principal and activities director at Kalispell Middle School effective immediately. 
Cummings was recruited to Flathead in 2015 by former head coach Kyle Sampson, who was the offensive coordinator at MSU Northern while Cummings was an athlete there. After graduating from Northern, Cummings spent a year working at his former high school Missoula Big Sky before moving to Kalispell. As the offensive line coach, he was instrumental in helping the Braves make it to the 2018 state championships, and since that season, the Braves have gone 2-24, including going 0-9 last season, which was Cummings' first as head coach. The search for his replacement is set to begin immediately. And secondly, boarding by my colleague Tristan Scott, down in Missoula, Matt Marshall was sentenced to six years in federal prison and required to pay $3.2 million for his actions scheming to defraud whitefish philanthropist Michael Gogan. Over the years, Marshall portrayed himself as a high-ranking intelligence official on a hero's crusade to quash terrorism, even going so far as to get a tattoo of the U.S. Marine Corps Force Recon Insignia in order to convince Gogan to fund bogus covert military operations overseas. Tristan was at the courthouse in Missoula today and has extensively covered the case over the years, so you can read all about it online at flatheadbeacon.com. That's all for today. As always, you can stay up to date with all of the local news online or by following all of the reporters on Twitter. This episode was hosted, edited, mixed, and produced by me, Micah Drew. Music in this episode includes songs by local Flathead Valley artist Mike Murray, who's kind enough to let us use them. That's the show for the week. We'll see you next time. <laughs>